Blog Talk Radio. Diabetes Late Night, Glamour Let me make you smile Let me do a few tricks Some old and then some new tricks I'm very versatile And if you're real good I'll make you feel good I want your spirits to climb So let me entertain you And we'll have a real good time Yes sir We'll have Welcome to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic. I hope that uh, song just got you in the mood for our Broadway-themed Diabetes Late Night podcast tonight. Thank you for tuning in and letting us entertain you for the past seven years with this podcast. Tonight, we're going Broadway and pulling back the curtain on our upcoming Mr. Divabetic Diabetes Mystery Podcast scheduled for September entitled Gypsies, Tramps, and Peas. I'll be talking to the members of our cast about the roles they're playing in this year's Diabetes Mystery Podcast, reveal some of the crazy plot twists that we're going to be tackling, and share some great summer diabetes self-care tips with musical inspiration from the original Broadway cast recording of Gypsy, courtesy of Sony Music. Now, Gypsy, the musical, uh, Gypsy was the musical comedy adaptation of the colorful autobiography of one of the world's most famous burlesque stars, Gypsy Rose Lee. The original pro- production, which opened in 1959, was directed by the legendary Jerome Robbins and starred the iconic Ethel Merman as Mama Rose. Many critics and fans agree that Gypsy is one of the most beloved musicals of all time. And I second that emotion because I've seen this show several times, twice on Broadway. I saw it with Bernadette Peters starring in it and then again with Pat Lapone, uh, Lapone, excuse me. I've also seen the movie version with Robin, uh, Rosalind Russell and Natalie Wood and I've even saw the TV special with Bette Midler. So although I love the story, it's actually the music that impacted my writing for this year's Murder Mystery. Songs like Everything's Coming Up Roses, Together, Wherever We Go, and Gotta Have a Gimmick uh, are so filled with joy that it really made the writing process for me so much fun. And usually it's quite agonizing, I have to tell you. So hopefully uh, it will be fun for the rest of our cast in September, along with our other guests tonight on this podcast. We've got Asher Brown, Catherine Schuler, Chef Robert Lewis, Marianne Nicolai, Sora Joy, 
Ross, Mama Rose Marie, Lorraine Brooks, and Tanya Cappy is joining me on this special Broadway production. Please take a minute now to donate to our DivaBetic at divabetic.org. Your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. Coming up, we're going to find out how much Mama Rose Marie has in common with the character Mama Rose. Lorraine Brooks shares the poem that inspired this year's mystery podcast, and a Broadway diva living with type 1 offers her advice for conquering the great white way without missing a step in her self-care management. Plus, who will be our lucky instant winner tonight and receive a DivaBetic prize pack featuring gifts from Cabot Cheese, New Naturals, and Dr. Greenfields? Stay tuned when we announce our instant winner later on in this show. Right now we're going to learn more a little, a little bit more about Gypsy Lee um, I always want to say Rosalie, but it's Gypsy Lee Rose. <laughs> I don't know why I do that. Uh, her talent has extended beyond the footlights. In fact, in 1941, she wrote The G-String Murders. How coincidental is that? A witty murder mystery set in the world of burlesque. Her books were made into a 1943 movie, The Lady of Burlesque, starring Barbara Stanwyck. And so I thought we'd play a clip from one of her interviews when that was recorded for the original Broadway cast recording of Gypsy, courtesy of Sony Music. Let's listen to Gypsy now. When you wrote Gypsy, did you say, hey, wait till they hear this? Did you say, now people are really going to hear what I can do? I mean, you had written all when these I wonderful did, shows yeah, before. Yeah, well, you, you see, it all started, if I hadn't had Sondheim as a lyric writer, it wouldn't have been that show. Because... Hmm. When he took three pages of dialogue, which was an artist's book, and turned it into some people, I realized what that did, that I wrote that music that's going on there. Mm -hmm. I said, wow, this is a whole thing. You gotta have a guy that's able to write. I never had a lyric writer could write all that stuff like that. That wasn't Gypsy uh, Rosalie. This is. Yes, you uh, told me right that uh, the, the 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 voicing that you use to play a chord will change the way that he writes a, a lyric or put the, the syllable that he'll put on. Well, I guess I got my cues mixed up, but I'll get back to one of her funny anecdotes in a minute. That's a little bit of the backstage uh, story for the musical of Gypsy. Later on this show, you'll get some behind the scenes footage of what really happens on our Diabetes Mystery Podcast. But right now I'd like to take a minute and pay tribute to um, Barbara Cook, a Broadway veteran who died earlier today. Barbara Cook starred on Broadway in The Music Man, Candide, She Loves Me, and the revivals of Carousel, The King and I, and Showboat, to name a few. In the late 70s, she decided to go make her comeback, and not on Broadway, but to try it at Cabaret. She stopped drinking, overcame crippling bouts of depression, but she continued to struggle with her weight until she resolved to continue her, her comeback no matter what the scale said. I took my parents to see Barbara Cook in uh, New York City uh, when, they, when I first moved here in the late uh, mid-90s, and uh, it was an incredible experience. I just wanted to take a minute and recognize her for all the amazing contributions she gave and for just entertaining people. So this song's dedicated to Barbara Cook. Some people got it and make it pay. Some people can't even give it away. This people's got it and this people's spreading it around. You either have it or you've had it. Well, my first guest has got it. 
She's a Broadway star <laughs> living with type 1 diabetes. She's been seen in regional theaters performing Aida, Tick, Tick, Boom, Ain't Misbehaving, Once on This Island, and Sister Act. Please welcome back to the show, Sora Joy Ross. Hi, Sora. Hi, Matt. Hey, y'all. <laughs> I've uh, been a uh, happy birthday. I noticed you were posting all over Facebook about your birthday recently. So yeah, happy birthday it's actually coming. It's um, actually next Wednesday, but I start rehearsals for a new musical, um, the world premiere of a new musical. So I had like a big party this weekend, and I had all my friends, and it was fabulous. It was fabulous. So I had to celebrate a little bit early this year so I could be focused and ready for auditions. You know, I mean, not auditions, for rehearsals next week. Absolutely. Well, thanks for taking a minute to chat with us. I, I want to get your advice on how to bring your best performance out for our cast members of this year's Murder Mystery. But first, I just want to hear a little bit more about your experiencing uh, managed type 1 diabetes when you were tackling such demanding roles as Dolores Van Cartier, Sister Act, yeah. at the Ar- Arkansas Repertory Theater. So that was like eight shows yeah. a week, right? Yes, eight shows a week, and it was, yes, thank God my apartment was, like, two blocks away from the theater. It made things a lot easier as opposed to, you know, and being in New York. Um, you know what? As I, I just actually got a pump. I'm not sure if you guys know what the pump is, but the pump is it's like this device, and it's sort of, it has a cannula, and it administers insulin, and you can tell it what to do, and everything. And I'm telling you, man, if I would have had this pump when I was doing Dolores Van Cartier, this is the reason actually I got the pump because when I was doing Dolores, um, it was the most challenging role I've ever done. Um, she is constantly on stage. Like she's never, and she has, she's always, she's super fabulous, right? So she wears a lot of accessories. So, and a lot of new hair, a lot of old hair, a lot of hair in between. So she's, there's always a costume change and she's all, she's the star of the show. And then she's the star of another show within the show. And then she's sort of the star at the nunnery. Like she's kind of always the star. And so I was in almost every single scene. I had so many costume changes and you know what? I wore um, my continuous glucose monitor um, and my costume designers, they always in every show, because this is going on my 10th year now. Um, September 18th will be my 10-year anniversary. Um, so I let the costume designers know. <laughs> so listen, I'm surviving, right? So thank you. Um, You're thriving, I say. I am thriving. I appreciate that. And I actually name my my diabetes. I call her Sasha. She has like a name because she's a, she's like a person, you know. She's like actually, I called her a kid for a long time because she's kind of like a two-year-old. But now I feel like Sasha's acting like a teenager. She's getting a little more um, like she wants to do her own thing and not do what I tell her to do. So, so I had a continuous glucose monitor on me at all times to find to to let myself know, like keep myself alert with where my number was at all times. And with the dancing and did you know and uh, big shifts in your numbers? Because oh, I know with the continuous glucose monitor, you could see trending patterns. So I'm curious, like before the show, like what were some of the numbers you might have experienced in the night of doing that show? Well, the thing about so so this is pre pre pump, which is I call my pump the Black Panther now. So pre pump, um, I would to do a show like that, I have to start at a really high number. Like I can't start at 120 because as soon as I start, by the, I mean, by, 
took after the first number, I would have already been like in the 60s and the 50s. So, and I can't really stop taking my um, my um, my long lasting. I was I was on Tristeba for a while, so I have to start at a really high number because, like, really, like probably like two twenty five, two fifty. Um, and then by the time I get to intermission, I'm at 80, and then I, I would eat like a snack, and then the second act wasn't as challenging as the first act, so um, I, could, I could, you know, eat like a really small, maybe like 15, 30 carbs and be okay for the rest of the show. But right after the show, I would have to eat again because I would crash again. So, the so would they be standing were, by with little snacks for you, like on the, yes. in the curtain? Yes, I had, um, so I always let my stage manager know right away from the first day of rehearsal that I have type 1, that I'm insulin dependent, and I bring in, they, a lot of, most of the times, they actually bring me juice boxes and glucose tablets, and they have them all over rehearsal, all over the stage um, when we're doing the shows. I had, because I was playing such a demanding role, I had a dresser. I actually had six dressers, six. I had six dressers. They were incredible and they all knew where the juice boxes were. My main dresser always had glucose tablets on her. She always had juice boxes on her. She always had insulin on her. So she knew and by the end of the run, oh my goodness, that woman, Allison, she was such a godsend. She knew, okay, hey, listen, she would be like, okay, I'm looking at your CGM. You're at 200 and double arrow going down. I'm going to get your juice box. And, or she'd be like, oh, you're at, you know, um, you, it seems like you're at 200 and you're rising. I'm going to give you some insulin. Like she just, she was so on it. And so I say, thank God that I had a great team, right? Because my, my continuous glucose, glucose monitor is sort of like my personal assistant, but I needed more assistance because I was doing so much and carrying such a big show. So it was very, very demanding. And I'm really excited about this pump because I feel like with the pump, you can suspend the insulin delivery, which would have been perfect for Sister Act as opposed to starting at 250 or even higher because I'm afraid that I might crash. I don't have to, you know, I can start at a red, I can start at like a 150 and then just not, I can just, suspend my insulin delivery until after the show because I'm working now how, so much, how, you know, um, much. Yeah. How common is it for you to meet other people living with diabetes in the theater world? Is it, have you run into other people living with type one or type two diabetes performers, stagehands or stage managers? I'm just curious. I do run into, um, mostly it would be actors with type two diabetes. Um, um, but I haven't, I would, I don't normally, I, like I've never done a show with another actor that had type one. Um, well, because our but, fabulous you know, actress, one. Asha Brown, who's going to be on our podcast next month is also living with type one. She's going to be on the show a little bit later. That's kind of interesting. Oh, fantastic. What's her name? I want to, I want to ask you, so her name is Asha Brown. She has a website Asha called Brown. We Are Diabetes and, uh, we love Asha Brown. She's amazing. She played Christine awesome. on Phantom of the Okra. Last year she was Prudence in Suspect Boulevard. And uh, this year um, she's Coco Mimosa in um, Gypsies, Tramps, and Peas. 
Now, I want to ask you, because you are a Broadway diva, um, and when I have been listening to the original production, uh, the original uh, cast album for Gypsy, what's your take on Ethel Merman? Like, what do you think her legacy is about uh, by today's standards of how uh, both the audience and also uh, peer, your peers judge her? Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding? We love Ethel Merman. Are you kidding me? She was like the big Broadway belter, man. She was the one. She was the brassy, the brassy broad that was just, she brought it all to the stage. Love her. We all love her. We love her. No, I think, I think she's fabulous too. I just don't know if people, if she's still relevant to today's uh, theater community or not, but I, I mean, she's obviously a legend. I just, you're just curious, like if her name ever pops up or anything like that. Oh, sure. Her name will pop up. Just, I guess, when you hear, like, big belters and you're like, oh, or you want to, like, you're sort of playing around with the song and you pull an Ethel Merman singing the song. You know what I mean? That's now business, like, child. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, even if it's just like a joke or something, her name comes up pretty often. All right. Well, later, uh, coming up next month, our poet, Lorraine Brooks, has probably the most amazing voice. But our challenge each year is we're a lot of amateur actors with a few professionals like Asha Brown. We're going to be bringing our script to life in our, our fourth annual Diomedes Mystery Podcast. For me, the challenge when you do this on the radio is you, you, don't, you can't act it. You have to talk it. And so I think I want to get your tips on voice acting, like how amateurs could bring out their best performance. Yes. <laughs> so you're the coach. We're all listening. I'm the, the coach way. right now. Oh, you want to know right now how how do they bring? Yeah, it? we're we're a month away. Well, I, I mean, I don't really to, measure yeah, for my cost. Well, I guess you know. I mean, I'm all about experience, right? So I have to. Whatever I'm reading, whether it's just me using my voice or I honestly, it would, if you were to watch me, even if I'm just on, if I'm on the radio, you would see that my, the character has, I have completely engulfed the entire character. So you'll see me moving around like that person would be moving around and you'd see me, you know, blinking my eyes and shaking my head or whatever, or playing with my hair, whatever I feel like that character would be doing, it, it's, it's, the voice is only one part of that entire character. You know what I'm saying? So I would say I would absolutely, I think, you know, acting, of course, is, is doing and being. It's not like, oh, I'm going to act now. But it's like I am, like, falling into place with this person. I am this person. I'm becoming this person. And now I'm going to talk like this person and act like this person. But, like, for real. You know what I mean? Like, it's not pretend anymore. And how do you get that projection, like Ethel Merman? I mean, we're not singing, we're talking, but how do you project? So some of us are a little bit more soft-spoken. No one will yeah. ever accuse me of that, but some of the casters <laughs> a little, are a little bit soft-spoken. Oh, boy. Well, it's, I mean, it's all about your breath, right? So it's all about where the breath is coming from and making sure that you're, the breath is, like, within the entire body, not just in your diaphragm, not just in your chest or wherever, or in your throat. I mean, we don't want it to be there at all. But the breath comes from your entire body and your entire self, right? So if you're taking a really deep breath, you think about when you, if you are like running for a train or you're running for a bus or you're running, like, by the time you get to that bus or that train, you are completely out of breath. 
and you can feel it through your entire body. Your body is going up and down like you're, you know what I mean? That's how the, the breath is within you. You have to take huge breaths so that when you're projecting, you're not using your throat. You're using your entire body. So I would say think about using your entire body when, you, when, you, when you're speaking. When you're speaking, because it's it, oh, for me at least. But I'm, you know, I'm so Broadway, I'm so theater, so everything is kind of big for me. <laughs> but my breath is is big as well, and my speaking voice is it just kind of is that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, catch your breath because. <laughs> It's time for our hot seat question. Sir Joy Rice, Ross, who should play Hello, Dolly on Broadway when Bette Miller steps down? We know you, besides for you and any other name you've heard linked to the show, who would you like to see play Hello, starring Hello, Dolly? Oh, my goodness. Um, right, besides me. Got it. Uh, and besides Donna Murphy, who I believe is playing Dolly yeah, now, no, right? Yeah, who I work yeah, with Donna. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'd work with Donna. She's fantastic. Um, Dolly, why would you ask me that question? Because <laughs> I figured well, you would have a. Who have you been dying to I, see play us? God, I mean, ugh. shoot. Um, I think Queen Latifah. Are you, you know, well, first of all, she would be fierce. Queen Latifah would be fierce. I think that's a great idea. But I well, now name I one, to, name one, because they're going to wrap this up oh, and with the show. Oh, my gosh. Listen, the only one that comes to mind, honey, I got to say, is Sora Joy Ross. <laughs> all right. Well, you heard it here first. If you get to play it, we're going to come out and support you. Thank you so much for being on tonight's show. And, and we know Thank you're rehearsing you. in Montana, so thanks for taking a minute backstage to talk to us. Thank you so much. It was great. Have a great day, y'all. Great night. <laughs> all right. Natalie Cole, who played Gypsy Rose Lee in the film version of Gypsy's Death in 1981, still remains one of Hollywood's darkest mysteries. Conflicting accounts reported by the police, close friends, naval officers, and even her husband, Robert Wagner, make it impossible to really know what happened on that fateful night. Hmm. Sounds like it might be a plot line in one of our upcoming Mr. Diva Diaby's mystery. And while I mull over that idea, why don't you take a minute and listen to another song from the Broadway cast recording of Gypsy. I couldn't get away from you. Even if you told me to, so go on and try, just try, and you're gonna see how you're gonna not at all get away from me. Welcome back to Divey's Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedek, and coming up shortly is going to be best-selling author Tanya Cappies. I love her so much. You'll hear about how this whole crazy idea to do a Divey's Mystery podcast every year came about, thanks to my chance meeting with that fabulous lady. Right now, though, I want to talk a little bit about my next guest, who puts down the pen every year and instead picks up the organ pipes. 
to play the narrator in our Diabetes Murder Mystery Podcast. However, her words still inspire me. In fact, a poem she wrote several years ago sparked the storyline for this year's mystery podcast. Please welcome to the show the lovely Lorraine Brooks. Hi, Lorraine. How long you've been doing? How long we've been doing the show? It is, isn't it? Uh, I'm thinking uh, four years, right? Yes, we started with. Um, it's funny that Sora uh, Joy said she calls her pump the Black Panther because our first murder mystery was Pink Panther. And of course, I should tell everybody all those podcasts are available on demand for free at iTunes or Block Talk Radio. So let's talk a little bit about it. Like, let's go all the way back to four years ago when you first started on the podcast and agreed to be the narrator. What has that experience been like for you? Max, I, you know, I, a funny thing happened when we did the, um, the Mosaic Farm Festival this year in Fairfax, Virginia. And I was speaking to someone um, who said to me, you're the voice. And I said, the voice? What do you mean I'm the voice? And she said, you're the voice. You're the narrator. I finally get to, to see you in person. She totally recognized me by just hearing my voice. And that was, I, I mean, I've never had that happen again in life. So I have to say, this has been a, a wonderful experience. And um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm very pleased to be a part of everything that you do. And, and I'm so pleased that anything I say and do can be the inspiration for for your your talents and and your creativity because it's just it's been a wonderful association. I agree, and it, you know, I mean, we have to tell everyone it's a little bit difficult. There is a process involved. I usually write a very rough sketch of the plot out, and I I'm so fortunate that I could send it to you and Tanya to get your immediate feedback, and uh, we kind of go through it from there, and then you take your parts and kind of. Uh, you know, rework them to make them make sense for you and also to help make that story that much stronger. And that takes a little while. And then we have several rehearsals leading up to it, and we still change things around. And then you do this magical thing at the end of every Diabetes Mystery podcast where you kind of recap what happened and kind of share some words of inspiration about some of the themes going on in the show. Well, you know, Max, it, it's almost like... I- it isn't even almost. I feel like I'm not acting at all because I really play myself. I mean, the narrator is really me. And, um, you know, so some of the little things that I say on the side or some of the little quips that, that you and I have, have added in are, you know, they're really me. So I don't even feel like I'm acting. And the, you know, the the wrap-up that we do at the end is just me kind of, trying to bring the whole thing together and have it make sense in in the context of, of what we're trying to do to raise diabetes awareness. So, you know, it's it's all, for me, it's all just me being me. And, um, and that's another wonderful thing about it is I don't have to act. I don't have to be anything other than I am, and I appreciate that. By the way, I call my pump Colette. Everyone's gonna. We're gonna have to post everyone's name for their pumps on Facebook. I love it. We've got the Black Panther Colette. If Asher Brown uses a pump, which I'm not sure she does, we'll get a nerd a third name. Now, um, 
I want to talk about uh, the little inspiration that I mentioned at the beginning of your introduction. So a couple of years ago, we were doing, um, our, it was called Diabetes Roundtable, the, our initial podcast before we switched names. And before we were playing music, courtesy of Sony Music, our inspiration was Esther Williams. And so uh, you had been on the podcast for about a year, I'd say, and and so mm-hmm. I threw you the inspiration of Esther Williams, and you kind of this is my version, and then you could correct me. Um, you you responded and said, you know, your podcast is so uplifting and always so happy, Max. I don't really know. Uh, I have an idea, but I just don't really know if it's going to fit in with your theme. And then I responded like, Lorraine, we're. I'm glad you think we're happy, but we're we could deal with any emotion with diabetes. That's what it's supposed to be. And you said okay, and you wrote this poem, "Beauty and the Beach," and uh, it we public. You read it on air. We posted it on our blog, and then you read it again because people liked it so much. And I think you've you've probably performed it twice or three times because you did it live, I think. And I've I've reposted it probably three or four times. I would definitely say it's the most popular poem you've written for diabetes for diabetic and i'm just uh, so what's your take on that because that really was the inspiration for this year's podcast uh mystery podcast well you know i remember that conversation very well when you and i uh at, at the beginning when you told me that your uh inspiration for that month was going to be esther williams and um and i remember saying to you max you know um you wanted me to write something about uh, body image and bathing suits or something, and I and I said to you, Max, I don't know if I'm the one to, to write that because I don't feel real positive about myself in a bathing suit. And I said, you know, I don't want to be a downer, and I don't want to, you know, bring any negative emotions to your audience. I think that you're trying to keep people upbeat, and and you know, you said to me, you write whatever you feel and write whatever comes to your mind, and. You, you're the one who said to me, I'm sure that somebody out there will be able to relate to whatever you're feeling or whatever you're writing. And so I took that to heart, and I wrote the poem. And, um, you know, I, I know that it's it's one of the most popular poems that I've written, and I know you get a lot of uh, positive feedback about it because it, it came from the heart, you know. And um, uh, I don't think that it is really a downer on retrospect. I think that it is an honest assessment of how I felt and how probably a lot of other women feel too, and we don't talk about it enough. So I think that was the beginning of a, a little bit of a metamorphosis that, that you had on the podcast, that we were going to start talking about not just the happy stuff and not just the uh, you know the, the diva stuff, but the, the, the stuff that really happens on a day-to-day basis. And every day is not, you know, every day is not always totally positive. So you gave me the freedom to do that, and I'm, I'm I'm really very humbled that your audience even appreciates my words. And um, uh, I, I will continue to read this poem because every time I read it, I even get something else out of it. And I hope that you're all right. Well, does here, as well. listeners, you're in for a treat because here's an encore performance of "Beauty and the Beach" by poet Lorraine Brooks. I'm not Esther Williams. I'm not even close. My body in bathing suits feels clumsy and gross. I look at the swimmers and look at the pool and suddenly feel like a fat, ugly fool. I try to ignore them, these feelings I feel, 
But the bottom line truth is the feelings are real. Will I wear a bathing suit? Probably not. I'll probably stay in my clothes and feel hot. I've tried, please believe me, to listen to those who tell me it's okay to take off my clothes. Then I look at others, and what comes to mind? I sense they are judging me and being unkind. I wish I was comfortable. I wish I fit in. I wish I was normal. I wish I was thin. I wish people saw me for more than my weight. I wish that I had a much different fate. So hats off to Esther, who swam like a fish, who by all accounts was a beautiful dish. But I am not Esther. I'm all I can be, and sometimes I struggle just being me. One more small thing, I must say it out loud. If I had a body of which I was proud, if tank tops and two pieces were within my reach, I'd be more than happy to join you at the beach. I, that poem is powerful today as it was before. I agree with you. I don't. I I never saw it as a downer. In fact, it inspired me because you and I have talked so passionately about body images and diabetes, and so I kind of took the idea of that poem and wanted to center the uh, put this pod put this murder mystery in a setting that would allow body image to come up. So we went. We're going to the beach. We're going to be in Coney Island, and just to allow there to be acceptance on all sides. I put it in the world of burlesque because that tends to be a community where people are much more body accepting and also I feel like empowered to uh, – people of all sizes are empowered to give it what they got, like Mama Rose said in one of those songs we already played. And uh, I, that's how that kind of came about. Like you were really the setting – this poem kind of really wanted, made me want to set it in – that world at Coney Island has a burlesque uh, theater. They do performances and, and, and kind of give us a platform in which to talk a little bit more about that in an entertaining way. Well, I'm so glad that my words were the inspiration of that, Max. And by the way, I think that you should use uh, Let Me Entertain You as your new theme song. <laughs> I'm going to keep that in mind Alright, well thanks for joining in today uh, Lorraine, we're going to be talking to more people backstage uh, Here at Gypsy um, Tramps and Peas Our Broadway themed Diabetes Late Night Podcast Coming up I'll be talking to Chef Robert Lewis About what do you do with all those Vegetables that are left over So they don't go to waste I mean it's the summertime We're buying so, many more fre- so much more fresh produce What can you do? And is there a healthy way to eat a hot dog? Marianne Nikolai tackles that question when we go to the beach at Coney Island. Right now, though, we're going to play a song that was written by Jules Stein and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, was first performed by Ethel Merman, Jack Klugman, and Sandra Church on the original Broadway cast album of Gypsy. It's gone on to become a standard performed by entertainers all over the world. Wherever we go, whatever we do, we're going to go. No fight, no feud, and no ego. 
Welcome back to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick, and truly, if there was, n- there's no other theme song for our Diabetes Mystery Podcast than tra- together wherever we go, uh, because we all come together collectively, take a big breath and leap in to put on this show every year. A lot of people jump out of their comfort zone. Some of them don't, like my next guest, who was a professional ex- actress. And she's also the founder and executive director now of We Are Diabetes Organization. She just returned from the American Association of Diabetes Educators Expo in Indianapolis. I can't even speak anymore. I'm so tongue-tied. I'm so excited (laughs) to welcome back to the show Asha Brown. Hello, Asha. Hi, Matt. What, What do you call your pump? Do you wear a pump? I'm curious. I don't wear a pump. I, I've tried pumps, and we just don't get along yet, so I'm hoping to find a pump that works for me. Um, I have a Dexcom, though, and I love my Dexcom, um, sometimes more than my husband, I would say. I love my Dexcom, which is a, it, it, which is a version of the CGM. Now, do you have a, a nickname for it? I just call it Dex. <laughs> That's perfect. That's, okay, so we have yeah. Colette. Yeah. Black Panther and Dex. We're we're building here. This could That's, be a new. This could be right. a rock band. All right. Well, yeah. Ashley, we should tell everyone this is your third year on the Mystery Pad podcast. If we backtrack, your I mean, yeah, your your last two appearances, you were on Phantom of the Okra. You played Christine, mm-hmm. and then last year on Suspect Boulevard, you played Prudence. Um, you know, you are. You do. You are a perfect a professional actor, so that's kind of why one reason why you were asked to be a part of the show. You're also a passionate advocate and you heard the conversation that I just had with Lorraine. I'm 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 yeah. dying to hear what the experience has been like for you. Um sure my my experience working with, with our um with our mystery theater or, or in regards to Lorraine's body image um work. Both both. Anyway, you want okay. to talk Okay. All right. Well, I'll I'll I'll, go, I'll touch base with both of them. So I've loved being part of the um the mystery podcast. That's been so fun. And yes, I I actually started my professional acting career when I was five years old. Um, that was when I was um, uh, I did my first major motion picture with Tommy Lee Jones and Kathleen Turner. It was also the same year I was diagnosed with type one diabetes. So that was a big year for my parents. I'll tell you that they were like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" Um. So, and I have retired for the most part from professional acting because I do run uh, We Are Diabetes, and that is a very much a full-time job. Um, so doing the mystery podcast has been a great way to, you know, revisit some of my, um, some of my loves of um, performance. And, um, and in regards to um, Lorraine's beautiful poem and, and the discussion of body image and diabetes, um, you know, that, uh, that's a topic that I could talk about for hours and hours because We Are Diabetes is, of course, um, a nonprofit that's devoted to helping type 1 diabetics who struggle with eating disorders. And um, there's a lot of different types of eating disorders that diabetics can struggle with. There's one specifically called diabulimia that um, is very prevalent among the type 1 diabetic community. And We Are Diabetes offers support and very specific resources um, to allow those people to get help and recover and, and, and take back their life and, and be able to um, reignite their ability to honor themselves and learn how to take care of their diabetes once again. And I know you just got back from the AADE. You were talking a lot about this subject. I'm curious, how did edu- uh, certified educators from around the country, this is like your third time, third or fourth time appearing there, how have they responded to what you're doing and also this topic? Sure, yeah. You know, um, this year I was on a panel, and um, the panel was 
um, about the different generations of diabetic patients and how um, a certified diabetes educator needs to be mindful of how to communicate differently to different generations. And I shared my story about what diabetes self-management education was like for me in the 90s, and it really wasn't great. Um, I was told to avoid foods instead of learning how to bolus for them properly. So I had the food police. I think a lot of diabetics know that term. I had the food police situation with me as a child. And so I felt ashamed when I wanted real, a real piece of cake and I would start to sneak it and feel ashamed about it. And then that, you know, that really, that perpetuated my full-blown eating disorder that I struggled with for an entire decade. So I had the opportunity to share this year about why that, that education that was being taught as standard in the 90s is really um, more damaging than helpful. And I got a lot of great feedback from, um, from the diabetes educators that came to the panel about that. Great. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the Murder Mystery Podcast and the characters you played. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about Christine from Phantom of the Okra. Well, let's see. What can I remember about Christine? Um, you know, she was, um, she was actually struggling with diabulimia. I loved how you wrote that character. Um, and it was really what I liked about uh, about how you wrote that was how the rest of the characters investigated and, and found all these clues to figure out, you know, what she was struggling with. Um, I really, I really liked how you were able to spin that into the story last year. And then last year you were Prudence in Suspect Boulevard. You, uh, uh, your, yes. char- your character was kind of the personal assistant to um, best-selling author, author Marjorie um, Melbourne Blaze. Yes. But she yes, had a secret. That was secret. a fun one as she, well. She had a secret. Prudence had a secret. What didn't, you know, my memory fails me a little bit right now, but wasn't she the one who did it? I think she she was the bad one in the end. She was the villain. <laughs> well, she wasn't quite the villain. She, she she found out that she was the secret love child of someone in the show, and then yes, that kind of, like, yes. freaked her out, and she was also having an affair with Nigel, who we're going to meet Robert Lewis, right, who and plays she, Nigel last night. Right, right, yes, that was that was the twist. You do get the juicy parts, Asha. So tell us a little bit about Coco I do. Mimosa. Tell us a little bit about Coco well, Mimosa. What does she do for work? Sure. Well, she's a burlesque dancer, and I'm really excited about this one, especially in what you were discussing with um, Lorraine about how burlesque is a world that's more open to different types of bodies and also just embracing the body you have and making that body sexy and, you know, um, being more open to how we view sexuality um, instead of it being a run-of-the-mill model cover photo, you know. Um, and so I really I like that concept. And, um, you know, as I was reading the character, I, I, I see a lot of her and me. There's some razzle-dazzle. But, uh, you know, I'm excited to continue to work on it and see where this character goes. And I'm really excited for everybody to listen in this fall and, and, and be able to experience that with us. Yeah, and one of the things she's going to talk about is getting pedicures on the beach. So do you ever get a pedicure before you go to the beach? You know, I um, don't like the beach. I'm, I'm a very fair-skinned girl. Uh, Max, I'm Irish and uh, Scottish, so I'm very pale. So I don't go to the beach, but I do get pedicures regularly. Um, and what I like is that you, what you wrote, uh, what Coco says about how she brings her own instruments and tells the person, you know, that she's diabetic. I actually do the same thing. And I have a pedicure place I go to, and they know me very well. They know not to cut my nails too short. 
Um, I bring my own um, pedicure instruments that I sanitize myself. And so I have beautiful pampered feet without any issue. I love it. All right, well, we're going to catch Asher Brown next month on Gypsies, Tramps, and Peas as she stars as Coco Mimosa. In the meantime, Asher, tell everyone about your website, how they can find out more about you. Sure. So for anyone, you know, specifically, I do work mainly with type 1 diabetics with eating disorders because I myself am a type 1, but we are able to help route and um, and refer support to type 2s as well. So wearediabetes.org is the website. If you go there, there's um, multiple ways to contact us if you're struggling with an eating disorder um, or any sort of emotional, mental um, struggles. Um, we, we can help you find some professional help, so feel free to reach out to us anytime. Great. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show. The iconic Ethel Merman might be known for her voice, but I think of her about her comedy and her comedic timing. She appeared in such TV classics as Lola Lasagna on Batman. Does anyone else remind, uh, remind, remember that? The Bo- Love Boat, The Muppet Show, and then she was featured on Airplane and uh, The Mad Mad World. Well, here's a very funny song from Gypsy, courtesy of Sony Music. Find it. If you want to bump it, bump it with a trumpet. So get yourself a gimmick and you. Welcome back to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedek. My next guest has published numerous mysteries and romance novels with unprecedented success. And for some reason, she allows me to write her lines every year in our Diabetes Mystery Podcast. I don't know why, but she's fabulous, and I love her so much. I'm honored to call her a friend. Please welcome to the show best-selling author Tanya Cappies. Hi, Tanya. Oh, nice you sound so good. I could take you around with me everywhere to introduce you. That would be great. I would love to do that. Anytime you're in the in the northeast area, you just have to let me know. <laughs> I will, I will. Thanks for having me tonight. This is exciting. I've never been on with just this. I know, you've, never, you've, never, you've never you've never actually you play your yeah, you play yourself, but you've never actually been able to uh, be yourself, we should say. How's that? <laughs> um, whoever you want me to be. All right, so to give a, I want to hear your take on how we met and how this whole thing came together. As you heard me mention to Lorraine, we, this is our fourth year. We started with the Pink Panther, then we returned with Phantom of the Okra, then we came back with Suspect Boulevard, and this year we're going to be doing Gypsies, Tramps, and Peas. So how did it happen from your standpoint? Well, I was at the Javits Center in New York City, and I think about three or four years ago, and I had actually rented myself a booth with another author, and um, which is uncommon for authors to do. And it was um, during book, the very first book con that they ever had. And a lot of authors did not really know about that book con or they were sent in by their big publishers. And at that time, I hadn't... Um, I had always self-published, and I hadn't been with a big publisher. I just signed my first contract with a big publisher, and I thought, well, I'm going to come to New York City and take that town by storm with my little cowboy beats. And so I remember 
you know, just kind of pulling you in, and, and you said, oh, you know, who are you? And I told you exactly who I was, and you and I got to talking, and you said something about wanting to do um, a mystery theater, and uh, I, I, I rarely say no, because I think your life just passes you by if you keep saying no. And, um, yeah, I said, oh, my gosh, yeah, I would love to. Just give me a holler, and, and I never thought you would. I looked you up on Facebook after that, and lo and behold, you did contact me, and I, it has been so fun over the past couple of years doing this with you. Well, it's been now, so great. I mean, my, my take on that is that I was I, I had a, a, a Diabetes Don't Kill Romance campaign where I partnered romance novels on my podcast with educators to talk about some of the sexual health issues related to diabetes. I liked you so much, and when you told me you were a mystery writer, I was like, you know, I kind of walked away from our meeting. I'm like, what am I going to do? And then I did reach out to you to say, I'm, th- I'm thinking maybe we should do a mystery podcast. <laughs> What do you think? And, you're, oh, and, and just what you said, it. you had all that enthusiasm said, yeah, let's do it. What, and, then, and then you said, you just have to write it. And I was like, okay. And I remember, like, you know, that was the end of the um, uh, honeymoon right there for me personally because the writing process is pretty difficult. And uh, you coached me that whole way through and, and continue to do it, even though you're doing so much on your own. I mean, right now you're probably uh, – you say – I read an article you said you're – Writing, you write about six a, a book every six weeks. So I mean, your deadlines are so hard. I don't know when you find time to squeeze this in, but I feel very thankful that you can and do. Oh, are you kidding? Oh, I love it. And um, you know, I would I squeeze you in any time. And and there's always time in the day for you. And and you know, I can keep on writing all night long if I need to. But absolutely, it's been so much fun, and you've brought such a great joy to me because I've never done something like that. You know, I'm always just writing pen to paper. I've never actually tried to act out any of my novels. And so when you had decided to write something, it's just so much fun to get on there and act goofy and nobody has to look at me. It's all on the radio. So (laughs) it was great, you know. Well, and diabetes has a special uh, personal reason for why you do it as well. Can you tell everyone a little bit about your relationship to diabetes? Sure. Um, back in 1987, I was 16 years old, and my parents got this grand idea of renting a van. And um, at that time, minivans weren't around, really. It was just those big vans. And they made me go, and they threw me in the back of that darn van, and they wanted to go cross-country from Kentucky all the way to San Francisco. And I thought, you have got to be joking me. What teenager at 16 wants to get thrown in the back of a van, because I knew they weren't going to let me drive, and go two weeks to San Francisco and back? So on the way there, my dad, I noticed, was eating um, a lot of candy bars, mainly Snicker bars, because we're such hillbillies. We wouldn't stop for any kind of snacks or nothing. My mama would pack the cooler with sandwiches and Cokes and everything and put our tomatoes from the garden up front on the dashboard to get them ripe as we're driving. And we would stop at different state parks and we would eat. But my dad, we noticed we would have to stop at some, you know, grocery stores or Minute Marts to stock up on our Cokes or our candy bars um, or anything sweet we had because he would just devour it. And, I mean, he couldn't get enough um, sugar. And and he did that for two weeks. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Dad, you have got to 
you know, go to the doctor. This isn't healthy. And he come back uh, home, and he went to the doctor, and sure enough, he had diabetes. He'd been diagnosed with diabetes, and um, you know, he still we you know we still you know battle it you know today. Um, but ever since then, we have done everything you know we can to research diabetes. My sister is a nurse practitioner, so she's really good at helping. Um, you know, with dad, and, and, and if I go home to visit, I'm a couple hours from him even now, and he'll get up in the middle of the night sometimes because the sugar drops, um, and I'll say, oh, dad, you need to, you know, make sure, you know, because that's not good, especially in the middle of the night. So he's had to do, you know, some different things. He's, you know, also on medicine, um, you know, and a couple of different shots a day. Right now he takes um, two uh, metformin pills a day, and then he takes two seventy thirty uh, shots a day to help control it. So, um, luckily, he has not had to go on a pump yet. Uh, but you know, he has all those symptoms of you know the feet, um, you know, having to get you know his toes, um, you know, manicured, pedicured for the the reasons that all come with the disease. And you know, also on top of that, he also has had. Um, heart bypass surgery, and so, you know, all of this, um, you know, diabetes, you have to make sure it doesn't mess with his heart medicine, and um, so we're just, it's really dear to our hearts, um, and also, um, you know, we, uh, my son's friend, we, uh, when, gosh, maybe about 10 years ago, we were on our way to a football game, and he got sick in the car, and uh, ended up taking him to the emergency room, and he got um, diagnosed with diabetes then, and he has a pump now, and he's doing great. So, you know, we try to go to everything we can and support diabetes in any way we can personally. So when you talk to me about it in New York, um, because you did mention, you know, diabetes and who you were and, and your background, and I'm like, oh, you know, I started talking to you about my dad's, you know, diabetes, and um, because it's always in the forefront of our minds, you know, with, with, when they come to visit of what foods I can have and what foods I need to keep out of the house because, you know, he will still eat sugar if it's right there in front of him. <laughs> no, I know. And I, so, you know, what I loved about uh, it was, like, you kind of jumped on board the whole idea of, like, entertaining people through writing about diabetes. So it's not like we're just kind of doing a traditional education. There's a lot of educational moments packed in between you and I having some kind of goofy conversation or some kind of crazy um, thing happening to us that kind of drives us further into this. I mean, uh, that is part of it. And your character, we should say, is kind of like you on steroids where you're you're so invested in finding a murder mystery, you just get so hyped up, excited. But I, I do want to talk a little bit about your beginnings as a writer because I, I found that story so fascinating about what actually inspired, why you became a writer to begin with and why you, and how you've gone on to achieve so much success because of it. Uh, well, it's, you know, years ago I had gotten divorced. And, you know, as a woman, I, I was thinking I need to get out of this situation. And I have kids, so I said I need to get out of this situation. And, and as, you know, you think that you're going to, get out of the situation but when you get divorced you realize really you just got yourself out of the situation and not the child um because you know, i mean my ex-husband you know did get you know has also has visitation rights with my son and so i got really depressed and um long story short um my i went to the doctor i told her i said you gotta give me a medication i'm so depressed that she wouldn't um after you know a few months showing i need a hobby 
And all I really knew was to go back to college because I already did. I'd gotten a teaching degree. I was happy with teaching. But also I liked school, so I went back to college. And while I was there getting a child therapist degree, I met a young lady who told me that she belonged to a book club. And long story short is I ended up um, joining a book club, her book club, and I didn't like reading. You know, I mean, I have a, a report card from fourth grade that says, um, you know, Tanya would have done much better if she would have just turned in two of the three required book reports. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is fourth grade. I hated reading. My joke is if, if it wasn't a party invitation, I wasn't reading it. And if it wasn't a party invitation for me, I, for me, I wasn't going to write anything either. And so um, long story short is I joined this book club really for the wine and the chocolate and the conversation to get me out of the house and ended up reading um, a book and the book that we read and I escaped from my reality. And what reading did to me was help me escape and, you know, being depressed and, you know, I'd realize that I would get lost. And on my weekends and my son was gone to his dad's, I would get lost in a book. And um, I wouldn't, you know, I started, you know, feeling better about myself. And I started, you know, really talking about books and finding that I enjoyed going to the library and going to, you know, at that time it was Walden Books, which is no longer around. But, um, and so then one night years later, married four children. Um, and I had hosted in that same book club. We were still together. And, um, I had told, you know, my husband had picked up one of the books, and he's not a reader, so he had picked up one of the books that I was going to present to book club that night to read, and he opened it up, and he said, you know, you could write this, and I said, oh, I can't, I can't write, or he said, I can't stand writing, so then later that night, you know, things progressed, and we were talking, uh, my book club and I were telling some stories, and they were laughing at some of my stories, and said, oh my gosh, Tanya, you should write a book. And that was the second, you know, peop, the second person that told me within a span of a couple of hours that I should write a book. And my goal, so I woke my husband up in the middle of the night after they left, and I said, do you really think I could write a book? And he's like, yes, yes. And so, you know, but he was sleeping, so I don't think he really knew what he was saying or what he was getting us into. But the next day, underneath the, an oak tree at my son's peewee football practice, um, I started writing my very first book, and my only reason why I wanted to write my book and my why, why I do this, is because I want to help people escape, you know, whatever it is. If it's depression, and if it's just that they've had a bad day, or they've had a great day, and they just want to come home and escape into something without thinking about the rest of the night. And I just was set out to make one reader um, escape. And that was it, what books had done for me. And that's my why, and that's why I do it. Now, since then, I have quit um, being a therapist, uh, but I could always go back in case the book did go south. But, you know, I like I still have that one reason why. You know, it's not about, you know, going around and, and um, selling books. It's about meeting those readers. And I'm so fortunate that I have had, you know, many readers say, you helped me get through my mom's bypass surgery with your books, or you've helped me, you know, survive this, or, you know, I'm going through cancer and you've helped me survive this by reading your books, or I take your books to chemo because they make me laugh, even though they're mysteries, they're Southern and they're funny. Um, and so, um, you know, that is, that's why I do it. And, um, you know, I'm still here after 40 something books later and, Many book contracts. I know. What do you have coming out this summer? You just strong. announced the new book coming out this summer, right? What's your newest book? Um, I just released the seventh ghostly southern mystery book, um, A Ghostly Secret, and then I just signed a new contract 
um, with Crooked Lane Publishers um, for a new Southern Baking uh, mystery series, and that's coming up, coming out in the spring. And then I'm in the middle of a ten book contract with Henry Press with my Kenny Lowry mystery series. So um, yeah, so you know, I mean, we keep going, we keep pushing, and um, you know, I just keep striving to reach those readers, you know, to help them escape. Well, you help me. Ex- you help me do so much more than escape. You help me entertain. I mean, I could talk to you all night. It's such a pleasure to have you on. I think that chance <laughs> encounter was a godsend because it's just been. Uh, it's something I look forward to every year. Not only just doing the podcast, but going through the process and having you there to coach me. And I just, I'm glad to say on air to everyone how much I truly appreciate you, Tanya Cappies, and for everything you do for Divabetic and everything you do for your readers. So thank you for joining us, and I'll look forward to seeing you next month in Coney Island when we get involved in another murder mystery. Oh, I can't wait, Max, and thank you so much. Every time I get a a manuscript for the play, it's just like Christmas for me. I love diving into them, and I can't wait till September, and everybody gets to listen to us have some fun and learn about diabetes in the process. And thank you so much for all the outreach that you do and everything that you do for diabetes. Um, because you make it fun to learn about a very serious disease. Thank you. All right. Well, you're going to love this, Tanya, because this is a little diva dish right now. Before the decision was made to dub most of her vocals, actress Rosalind Russell attempted to do her own singing. Apparently the results were pretty (laughs) awful. The Hollywood legend goes that after Ethel Merman's death, they found a tape of Rosalind Russell's original recordings in her closet because it was well known that Ethel Merman was infuriated that she had not been cast in the film version of Gypsy. So the rumor goes that she kept those recordings as a vengeful consolation prize. Well, it's time to hear Ethel Merman doing what she does best with another song from the original Broadway cast recording of Gypsy, thanks to uh, Sony Music. Have an egg roll, Mr. Goldstone. Have a chopstick, have a chair, have a spirit, Mr. Goldstone. Any spirit that I can spare, I'd be glad to share. Have a dish, have a fork, have a fish, have a pork, put your feet up, feel at home. Have a smoke, have a coat, would you like to hear a joke? I'll have June recite a have an, have an egg roll, Mr. Goldstone. All right, welcome back to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedek. I'm totally into this Broadway-themed Diabetes Late Night podcast. We're going to have to come back with that next year. Right now, though, we're talking about our upcoming murder mystery podcast, uh, Gypsies, Tramps, and Peas. It's set in Coney Island, which also happens to be home of the National Hot Dog Eating Contest. How do you do diabetes outreach and a mystery podcast in Coney Island I say by recruiting some of the top educators from around the country, and one of them is the former head of the Diva Beta Club in Cleveland, who I beg to be part of this year's Murder Mystery Podcast. Please welcome Marianne Nicolai. Hello, Marianne. Hi, Max. How are you? I know um, I'm great. Thank you for being on the show. I know when I first gave you the script, you were like, professional eating contest, Max, what are you thinking? Uh, There's a message there for people with diabetes, though, isn't there? And it's a a pretty strong one. Well, yeah, um, you know, overeating is never a good thing for anybody with with diabetes or any kind of chronic health condition. So, you know, it's all about moderation. But 
certainly enjoying a hot dog is a is a good thing and um, something I enjoy doing, especially in the summertime. But eating a whole seventy one or seventy two hot dogs in a in a sitting as they did this year is kind of a little over the top for me. I have trouble with that one, but I do enjoy a good hot dog. <laughs> Well, and it's interesting to note what Asher Brown said earlier about feeling like she was limited because she's living with type 1 diabetes. We just tell everyone we're talking about both type 1 and type 2 diabetes. But it was interesting to hear how her eating, you know, she's been able to adjust her eating because of kind of the new, um, just the new way educators are talking about diets and not so much about taking things off your plate about how to eat the things on your plate right i mean that's kind of right 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 and there's no you know there's nothing really that a person with diabetes can't eat that somebody without diabetes you know we can eat the same things but for all of us it's about eating smart making good choices um doing what we need to do 90 percent of the time and then letting that other 10 percent take care of itself so um that's what I try to work with when I'm working with people with diabetes or any other health condition. I'd never say you can't have something. Maybe you can't have quite as much or maybe not as often, but when you have it, enjoy every minute of it and then move on from there. So um, yay for hot dogs. I can tell anybody how to eat a hot dog or a piece of cake or whatever. Right. Well, over the course of the 10 years that I've known you, one of the things I remember mm-hmm. you mentioning was this book on mindful eating, which kind of factored factored into this year's Murder Mystery Podcast because there is a scene where we're at the summertime Coney Island and we're talking about the the hidden calories we might be consuming in drinking, which is kind of mindful calorie intake, isn't it, for a lot of people during the summer. There's so many summertime drinks that are kind of loaded with a lot more calories that in some cases than anyone expects. What are what are your tips around? Oh that? yeah. Well, um, yeah. It seems like everywhere you turn, you can buy some kind of a coffee beverage or some kind of a uh, refreshing type beverage that um, tastes really good going down, but they're oftentimes just loaded with calories that we might not be aware of or carbohydrates that are going to have a big effect on our blood sugar. And we don't always think about beverages as having a lot of fat or sodium in them. And those are all things that we just have to consider. We just need to consider. It doesn't mean that you never have them, but maybe you have to think about how often you have them or better ways of maybe making them on your own. And that's kind of what I'm all about. I I like to look at something that I like and figure out how I can make it a little bit healthier and um, so that's kind of what I like to do. But, you know, like anything, whether you're looking at a beverage or whether you're looking at a food like a hot dog, it really goes back to looking at that nutrition information and seeing how we can fit it into our meal plan or if we really ought to be fitting it into our meal plan. Because some things aren't always the best choices, but, you know, there's ways of, of working around it. And um, the one thing I was telling you that I love, my current favorite thing is, like, watermelon water. And I had that with my daughter when I was up at a street festival in New York. We were just kicking around. And she said, Mom, you got to try this. And so I watched how the guy made it, and then I just come home and make it myself. But um, a cup of watermelon, throw it into a blender, whirl it up till it's just juice, and then I pour it over 8, 10, 12 ice cubes in a big glass, And I sip on that for a while. I get a sweet taste that I like. 
it kind of um, melds with the water a little bit. And um, it's nice and sweet. It's refreshing. It's low calorie, about maybe 45 calories. And it's got some carbs in it. But if you're out doing some things, then those 11 grams of carbs or so, you know, you work that off or, or that can fit right in. If you don't drink it all down, it won't raise your blood sugar up real fast. So there's fun ways of doing that. Or um, um, I'm not a big coffee drinker, but a lot of my friends like coffee drinks. So instead of always stopping for something, well, why don't we just brew a nice big cup of coffee and then use a flavored sweetener, a tablespoon or so, or not a sweetener, but a, a flavored creamer, a tablespoon or so to give you that, you know, vanilla taste or cinnamon taste or chocolate or whatever taste, and then pour that over a big glass of ice and sip on that. It's a lot less calories. It's a lot less um, carbohydrates, and it costs a lot less too. So we have a little bit of extra money in our pocket to go buy a, a good book by one of your guests. So there's other ways of getting around it, and I like to figure that stuff out. I love it. And we should just tell everyone, the way the process works on the Diabetes Murder Mystery is I kind of chug along and give the script, and I give it to you educators to kind of review and make sure the messaging mm-hmm. is on point with not only you but uh, the American Diabetes Association and other reputable sources before we even, you know, we put it out in, um, before we broadcast our version and then even if I publish the script. So I just want people to know the idea here, this year on this podcast specifically with Gypsies, Tramps, and Peas, we're talking about summertime diabetes care and a couple of things you and I just talked about with the idea of professional eating, the hazards of overeating, and also those mindless calories we might be drinking during the summertime when we want something refreshing. So tips like that, uh, Mary, mm-hmm. you're going to have to share on the blog after the the uh, production goes live next month. Sure. In the meantime, sure, we're making diabetes fun by having our instant winter game. I posted on our Divabetic Facebook, Tumblr, Pinterest, and Twitter feeds uh, this question. We're not going to answer it yet until we meet our next guest, but the question was, can hot weather cause high blood sugar? A hundred people answered that question correctly. That's a true or false question. And we're going to reveal the answer coming up. Marianne, you're going to stick around and give us a couple tips on summer diabetes care. But okay. first, I it's can do time that. to uh, play a song that I think encapsulates my next guest. She's been working with Divabetic for over 10 years. She's the helium to my balloon. She's such a positive, enthusiastic force in everything we do at Divabetic. This song is dedicated to Katherine Schuler. I had a dream, a wonderful dream, Papa. All about June and the opium circuit. Give me a chance and I know I can work it. I had a dream, just as real as can be, Papa. There I was in Mr. Opium's office. He was saying to me, Rose, get yourself some new orchestrations, new routines and red velvet curtains. Get a feather hat for the baby, photographs in front of the theater. Get an agent, and in jig time, you'll be being booked in a big time. Oh, what a dream. Welcome back to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedek. It's time to meet the sensational Catherine Schuler. Hi, Catherine. Hey, work it. <laughs> that re- we could rewrite that song for for Diva Bedek, I think, between you and me. I think she's she'd make a great rap artist with that song. 
<laughs> the Ethel Merman rap uh, album. <laughs> All right. Well, you're coming back this year to be in our Diabetes Mystery podcast. Last year, you played the sinister sister to best-selling author, uh, best-selling author Marjorie Melbourne Blaze. This year, you are going to play the fortune teller known as Neutrina. Um, she'll mm-hmm. be new to our listeners, but she's not new to people in New York City. Can you tell us a little bit about that character and why she's not so new to New York City? Well, um, I was inspired to create Neutrina. I always like my little mascots like Aida Romaine and those those uh, divas that really are, are over-the-top, glamorous, and also teach us a lot with their own personal style about how they're um, able to really work their modus operandi into their diabetes management. So Neutrina is a fortune teller, and I thought her up because we were doing the uh, uh, Scary Potter's Broomstick Bash, which became the Broomstick Bash, and uh, Scary Potter was our um, uh, celebration of... candy-centric, non-candy-centric Halloween, uh, almost like a makeover maze, only with a Halloween theme. So I was in charge of this Ghost and Ghost and Freaky Friday and Hydration Station and all Costume Cardio and all the different makeover stations that we did with uh, Makeover Your Diabetes. We kind of used that concept and made it into a Halloween theme. So I came up with this character, Neutrina, and I had a ball with her. She's kind of a, a gypsy fortune teller, but she's, uh, you know, she she plays violin. She is a rhapsodic gypsy type with uh, lots of uh, bangles and bangles and a money belt. And she she reminds people to eat healthy, but she also reads their palms and sees more vegetables in their future and you know children love to have their their palms read and have her tell them what they what she sees in, in the lines in their hands so I had a ball doing that and um then I would let and I remember I mean my thing is like I remember that you're walking around with the violin and you were reading you were telling people to have more there's more broccoli and spinach in their uh, futures Future. and they should do that and <laughs> I also know that Tanya Cappies has that Max, Magical Cures um, a series of mystery books that is all kind of based on this character June Heels and I was kind of toying with the idea like how would you bring in the psychic into one of our mystery podcasts and then we landed in Coney Island with the setting and I thought oh my gosh so- Coney Island is so known for these kind of psychic things. And I thought, oh, we could reintroduce Neutrina because she's so much fun. <laughs> and and she is a black, I mean, she's lovely. She She's actually, um, she has some really good advice about nutrition that I think uh, as a counselor, she might, she might not be good as a psychic, but she could certainly be a nutritional counselor. <laughs> yeah, and she has a lot of fun with it. And she's got that gigantic crystal ball that, that's, um, has an eye when you touch it, the, the uh, um, radiance of the uh, elect, almost like the electronic Frankenstein uh, ray goes into your hand. So kids love touching that, and I tell them if they touch it and the, the uh, sparks and, the, and, and that um, 
lightning goes into their hand, they're going to have, they're going to eat more vegetables. So they walk away with having been like zapped into some awareness about what they're going to do in terms of changing the way they eat and especially around uh, Halloween. So, um, I just I just really enjoy what Steve Bedick provides for my creativity, and I love that using the characters and using all the different uh, limitations and restrictions that we have with with the eating, and then and making that fun so that you, you know you you um, you're able to really uh, take a take a character like Neutrina and 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 apply it to diabetes that that is not your grandmother's diabetes <laughs> I'm absolutely a fortune teller tell you there's more vegetables in your future <laughs> well and we, and we should say too that you know a lot of your work with us deals with um um uh dress your size and uh you do the makeovers and it's really about empowering women of all sizes to be their best selves self or glamour yes. fearless so you know you heard i'm not sure if you heard lorraine's poem tonight you've heard it in the past talking about oh. going to the beach for a lot of people the beach can be a minefield if they don't feel confident about your body so one of the things we thought we would talk about quickly tonight are some of mm-hmm. the tips for beach cover-ups for uh, women of certain sizes yes beach cover-ups are a girl's best friend um, because a bathing suit is very revealing, but a beach cover-up is like this overall accessory that kind of draws the eye where you want it, covers up where you want it, is a modesty garment, but at the same time can allow you to go to the beach, to the cabana, to the bar, back to the beach, and do it in style. And, it, you know, it, it can camouflage, it can it can act as an illusion, uh, and I think it's just a great accessory to throw on, um, and there's so many different styles, so I always do know your shape, show your shape, I always believe that garments uh, should flatter your figure, and they should, they should also complement your style, and the beach cover-up is a fantastic thing to throw in your suitcase, and to be able to get a lot of wardrobe longevity, just not at the beach, just not over a bathing suit, but then you can team it with a, a palazzo pant, or a legging, or a skirt, or a maxi dress, and wear it so many different ways, and um, it's a great thing to pack uh, on your summer vacation. I love it. All right. So um, tonight, we're, we uh, earlier today, we posted about the Instant Winter Challenge on our Facebook, Tumblr, Pinterest feeds. A hundred people responded they, uh, to this question. They answered it correctly. They went into a ra- random drawing. So we're going to bring Marianne Nikolai back on right now because one of the things we're going to give away in our prize packet, besides a new Naturals gift basket, a Cabot Cheese gift basket, and some products from Dr. Greenfield's Hand and Body Lotions, is potentially because our theme is beach for next month at the Gypsies, Tramps, and Peas, you're adding a cover-up to the mix in the prize package for someone. Yes, and it's a it's one of those those types of cover-ups that work on many different body types. So uh, you'll be able to, to dress it up, dress it down, just not wear it on the beach, and you're going to look amazing. It's a it's kind of the duster style, so it works on a lot of different body types, and it's size F for forgiving, so you don't have to give me your size. It will fit everyone. <laughs> okay, so uh, Catherine, take a minute. Don't tell us right now, but take a minute to choose a number from 1 to 100. Don't say it yet. And Marianne, the question was true or false. Can hot weather cause high blood sugar? Can you reveal the answer now? 
the question is true. Hot weather can affect your blood sugar levels, and it can affect your diabetes. And why is that? And well, a lot of a, a couple of different reasons. I think the biggest one is that um, hot weather can lead to dehydration, and dehydration can cause your blood sugar levels to rise, and it can also affect how well insulin might be used well in your body. So a couple of things to look out for there. And also, the hot weather, you know, if you're out at the beach or you're out on vacation or you're driving cross-country like Tanya was doing, and you have your insulin or your medications or your testing supplies um, in weather that's too hot, that can affect those things. It can destroy your insulin or it can ruin your test strips and your meter. So it's important that we take care of those things the right way and we keep them in a cool pack. You don't want to keep them on ice because you don't want to freeze them, but you want to keep them in a cool pack so that you keep them at a temperature where they won't be um, disrupted or destroyed. Um, So that's the one thing about your medications. But as far as that dehydration goes, that goes back to making sure that you have something to drink have a bottle of water with you, have some kind of a a low-carb, low-calorie, sugar-free beverage at hand. I always keep a bottle of water in my backpack when I'm um, out traveling about. I always have a glass of water in my car with me when I'm driving around. So always have something to drink with you. And as long as you got something to drink in your backpack, throw some kind of a snack food in there just in the event you don't get to your regular meals or you're you're running a little bit late or you're standing in a long line or whatever might happen. Something like a, um, oh, I think one of my current favorites are the Belvita breakfast biscuits. I just love those. Always have one of those in the car. Always have one in my backpack or my purse. Or any kind of breakfast bar is good. Those don't... Um, wither in the heat so you don't have to worry about them going bad they're all individually wrapped so you can take one with and just put it back in your purse and have it all set to go so those are the two big things that i would recommend and also make sure you have some kind of remedy food with you in the event your blood sugar starts to dip a little bit low make sure you've got that remedy food so you can get it back up right and don't forget to use the sunscreen I love it. Oh, that's good advice. All right, we'll be blogging more about that. Catherine, it's time to choose a number. I choose the number 25. 25. I choose the number 25 because you're only allowed 25 grams of carbohydrates or sugar in 24 hours. (laughs) All right. Ashley Landers, if you're listening, you're our winner. All right. Congratulations, Uh, Ashley. Well, Ashley, we'll be reaching out to you on Facebook later to claim your prizes for playing along with our Diva Better game tonight and helping us raise awareness in a fun new way. You will receive a new Naturals gift basket filled with diabetic safe, low-glycemic, tooth-friendly sweeteners, a cabbage cheese gift basket filled with an assortment of delicious, low-fat cheeses, Dr. Greenfield's diabetic foot, hand, and body lotions, which are specifically designed for people with diabetes with sensitive and delicate skin. And because it's part of our Gypsies, Tramps, and Peas, Promotion. Catherine Schuler, she's going to get a beach cover up from where? From Villa Santa. All right. All that and more. Thank you for t- uh, being a part of the show tonight, ladies. Coming up, I'll be talking to Chef Robert Lewis, but here's a song dedicated to him, courtesy of Sony Music, on the original Broadway cast recording of Gypsy. 
got my tweed dress, got my best, best all I need. Now is the girl. Got my stripes, I got my hopes, I got the time and the place, and I got rhythm. Now all I need's a girl to go with them. <laughs> Welcome back to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedek. My next guest is a nationally recognized author, public speaker, and spokesperson for all people affected by diabetes. He travels around the country speaking on, on the benefits of healthy eating, not only for people affected by diabetes, also for anyone who would like to eat and live a healthy lifestyle. Please welcome to the show the cover boy for this month's issue of Diabetes Health Monitor, the happy diabetic, Chef Robert Lewis. Hi, Chef Robert. Max, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you? You're the cover boy of Diabetes Health Monitor. How does that feel? Well, it feels really good. And actually, back to be honest, that was actually done last year. But I reposted it because, you know, I thought I should be the poster child again. <laughs> well, it was – why not? I, all right, I'll give you a double clap for that. Why not? I mean, if, but if it you was an amazing event, yourself, who else is that? All right, well, talk, talk, let's, let's jump right into it because I know we're running out of time and I want to get some advice from you. One of the yep, big I'm things here. happening in this um, year's Gypsies, Tramps, and Peas is the idea that we've got loads and loads of fresh produce in the hot right. sun that we need to do something with. What's your advice for people? A lot of us go to the farmer's market and walk away with a lot of extra things that we don't really know what to do with, and most of us sometimes end up throwing them out. Yeah, and, and you know, they kind of wither away in the refrigerator. So I've got, like, three really really go-to ways to use vegetables that are just kind of, you know, reaching that pinnacle of peakness and are about to go down. So I love to cook vegetables in scrambled eggs, right? Like I'll make a frittata, like fresh scrambled eggs, um, you know, some, some easy on the cheese, vegetables, bake it in the oven, and make kind of a – you know, a vegetable, eggy kind of a casserole. I love it. Are we there? Yeah, I'm listening. Okay, great. So so that's like my, my go-to. I love to do pasta bakes with roasted vegetables. You know, I'll roast them in the oven, 400 degrees, a little olive oil and garlic, and then make like a pasta bake or, or make like a, like a lasagna with roasted vegetables. That always works great. And then is that of course, like a one pan, a one pan kind of deal. It is. It would be like a one pan deal, you know. And again, everything in moderation. But I really love to turn ordinary ingredients into something extraordinary. So even in this time of the year when people don't necessarily think about it, I love soup, roasted vegetable soup with vegetable stock, thick and rich. I mean, it's a great way to use those vegetables, some beans. Uh, it, it's just an amazing way to not let those vegetables get away from you. And what are you grabbing right now? I mean, I know I'll, I'll, so many things are in season, but like, what are what are the, some some of the things you're grabbing? Because I know you like to uh, stay fresh, stay seasonal. So, what's your hand on right now that you would pick up you if know, we were at the farmers market? You know what? I, I'm going after some amazing fresh tomatoes or heirloom tomatoes. Um, the squashes are amazing. The green beans are unbelievable. Matter of fact, quite honestly, Max, in my oven right now, I've got some roasting yellow squash and green beans and onions roasting. Can you smell it? 
I can smell the love from here, and also I hope I, uh, Ashley, Ashley Landers can, because you just said to me on Facebook that you would throw in a cookbook tonight to make our prize package that much more incredible. So thank you for doing that. How how I want to know you're living with type two diabetes. How does your yes. how do your blood sugars react to different vegetables? Have you ever done any kind of detective work on that and and seen how different ones may affect your blood sugars versus other ones? You know what I I. Well, that's a great question. I mean, typically what I do most every night is after dinner, I'm always checking my blood sugars about a half hour later. I mean, I'm very curious to see what happens with the foods that I eat. And typically when I'm eating vegetables and lean meats, you know, reducing the amount of simple carbohydrates, my blood sugars are amazing. You know, it's when you add all those 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 simple carbs, the breads and and all that starchy food that tends to make my blood sugars just kind of go wacko. And then how about when you're like at AADE and you're up on stage because you do cooking demos and then for taking control of your diabetes, you actually do a cooking demo and then they, they serve that, uh, your meal to all the guests at that show. Do you ever, uh, going back to our Broadway diva earlier, Zora Joy Ross, do you ever see a fluctuation in your numbers just from doing live public speaking and the adrenaline of doing a live show? I, I do. I mean, typically my, my blood sugars can increase, especially if it's warm and if it's hot, my adrenaline is fired up. I mean, I kind of call my presentations in my own mind the thunder show. So I, I want to bring some value. I want to bring some thunder. I want to bring some some real take home and so put a lot of pressure on myself and that does tend to make my um you know blood sugars kind of go a little wacky but hey take a deep breath and and things are great but i'm not too worried about some fluctuating blood sugars on a temporary basis um because i i've gotten good enough where i know that i can control them by what i eat some exercise and taking my medicine when i should and and eating snacky snacks throughout the day so I'm not starving myself, and I'm kind of keeping my my metabolism rolling. And we should say, you you really, I've never seen you travel alone. You really do have a healthcare entourage around you with your wife. I've met your children who who participate right. in the Happy Diabetics multimedia platform. You're like Martha yes. Stewart. So I mean, you do have you have empowered your family to kind of help manage your diabetes as well. I have, but let me just say this, Max. The one thing that's probably made the biggest difference in my diabetic lifestyle and my success is the day that I said to myself, I have to take ownership. And, and although I do have an amazing support team, they can't be with me all the time. So, you know, I can be cheating and I can be doing things I shouldn't, but really once I took ownership in my disease, amazing things happen. You know, I, I love I it. I mean that ownership came with acceptance. Did it come right away, or were you look uh, when you when no. did the ownership happen for you? Because a lot of people listening might be newly diagnosed, might be living with diabetes for ten years. This is a big obstacle in a lot of people's lives about just what you're saying. That kind of proactive uh, thing. A lot of people spend more time, I think, than not wondering, asking themselves, why did this happen? Why did it happen? And and blaming something for it rather than doing what you're talking about. Yeah, that was me. I mean, I was in denial. I was the worst patient ever. Didn't want to prick my finger. I mean, I just thought there's got to be a way for me to, you know, I'll just take more medicine and that'll do it. But really, I think what happened 
with me was I met a diabetic educator one time that said this. And the way she described it was, do you know why a rearview mirror is so small and the windshield on your car is so large? And she said, it's because it's not about where you've been, it's about where you're going. So today is really your first day. Let's try to make some baby step changes that can help you live longer and maybe even be healthier than people without diabetes. Of course, I've got children, I've got grandkids. That was sort of self-motivating for me. I think, I mean, that's an amazing, such a powerful statement. I hope everyone listening really takes that to heart. And uh, you, I did mention that you are kind of a multimedia platform personality now. You have the cookbooks. You have the website. You're doing a podcast, I believe. Tell everyone what you're doing am, and how yes. they can find out more yes. about you. Well, the best thing to do is go to my website, happydiabetic.com. Uh, my podcast lives inside your telephone at the Happy Diabetic Kitchen on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. But if you go to my website, I mean, that's really the best way to find me. And, and really, I would just encourage you to contact me. I mean, I sign, you know, I, I answer all my email, all my Facebook posts. It's me. And I really want to help people to try to make a difference. I mean, I think I've learned some things being a type 2 diabetic for about 19 years that I'm so excited to share. And, and I also was AA at the American Association of Diabetic Educators in Indy last weekend, um, working with some amazing companies, and I met some amazing people. Um, and I'm just blessed and honored to be able to, you know, share my little success. Well, and I feel so honored to have you on the podcast every year from a chance meeting at Taking Control of Your Diabetes. We've gone on to work together several times. It's always great to have yeah. you on the show. You wrote last year about healthy ways to eat a hot dog that we'll be reposting this week on the Divabetic blog, and we're going to be looking forward to hearing more from you next month on Gypsies, Tramps, and Peas. Thanks for being on very the show tonight. Very excited about that. Oh, very excited, Max. Thanks for everything you do, my friend. All right, before we meet our last guest of the evening, I'd like to play one more song from the original Broadway cast recording of Gypsy, courtesy of Sony Music. If Mama was married, we'd live in a house as private as private can be. Just Mama, three ducks, five canaries, a mouse, two monkeys, one father, six turtles, and me. If Mama was married. Hey, wait a minute. What mama are they talking about? Welcome back to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic. It's time to say hello to Mama Rosemary. Hi, Mom. Hi. Did you love your introduction song? Yeah, oh, I did. That was wonderful. Um, and thank you for the applause. I always love that, too. I'm excited to be on your um, mystery podcast in September. Very excited to be on that. I know. And, you know, I was joking around at the top of the show about what you have in common with the character Mama uh, Mama Rose from <laughs> Gypsy, but the tr who was like this overbearing stage mom. But I would like to just <laughs> set the record straight and say that I'm probably the overbearing stage son who pushes you on the stage every year to be not only part of the mystery podcast, but to be part of our uh, monthly diabetes podcast. And for the se last seven years, you've been delivering uh, friendly tips. And um, I'm just curious what this whole experience has been like for you. Oh, it's been wonderful. Thank you for having me 
on with you. It's been a, a real pleasure, and I have learned so much about diabetes, and not that I have it, but I have a son, as we all know, that who is has uh, type 1 diabetes, and it's just interesting to learn all these different tips and how to keep him healthy and pass on these wonderful, uh, the wonderful advice that you're um, your uh, wonderful people have told told us about it. It's just been uh, it's been great, and um, I've really appreciated that. And I've learned so much more. I had a mother who had diabetes also, and, and back then it, we didn't have all this education. And I just think it's just wonderful that these people are making such a wonderful goal of living ahead. And uh, and what Chef Robert just said with the rear view mirror and the windshield, uh, that was just incredible. I just, uh, that's a wonderful way. And I think um, you should put that up on your website. It's just wonderful that uh, we should always look ahead. I agree. And I'll, I'll post it with his co- co- his cover from last year and just say it was this mm-hmm. year so you can double the applause again. Well, you may, <laughs> I just want to give a shout out to you because you have a great sense of humor and you let me have fun with your character. You play yourself like several people do on the show, but over the years, you've you've been uh, kind of uh, an interesting character. Your character, there was someone who impersonated you in the first year who was trying to create some kind of um, bogus diabetes um, medicine that they wanted me to sell, and so he kind of knocked you out and impersonated you, and we didn't find that out to the very end. Uh, at Phantom of the Okra, you were a ninja who attacked me and wrestled me to the <laughs> ground, and then Last year, you dressed up as best-selling author Marjorie Melbourne Blaze, and through it all, you always kind of are the uh, you, you're the truth rod in the in the show, telling me exactly what's going on at some point. I mean, that has been kind of fun to play those roles, hasn't it? Even though it's oh. you, it's more of a colorful version of you. Oh, I love it. It's just wonderful. And especially at my age, it's just wonderful to be able to play all those different parts. So I'm uh, excited for the for our, your listeners to hear what I'm going to be this year. That should be interesting. Hmm? Yeah, I heard you. Uh, you've got, you're taking a note from Gypsy Lee Rose, I believe, and in this year's I podcast. I think so. Never too late <laughs> to uh, burlap. Right. So what is your tip? What is your what is your tip this month? I'm curious to hear. Well, well, my, well, my tip this month is a little to do what we just talked about. It is to tell you that you are never too old to try something new. As children, we often feel limited. But as we grow older and mature into adulthood, it becomes easier and easier to box ourselves in and say to ourselves, oh, I can't do that, or I'm too inexperienced, or I'm too busy, and the best one, I'm too old, but with a little gusto and determination, you can let go of those beliefs that are undermining your confidence and overcome those obstacles because trying something new is really worth it. Take it from me. I'll be acting on next month's podcast. I love it, Mom. Thank you so much. You know, I could not do this podcast without everyone you heard tonight on the show. I just want to thank all of them for being a part of the show. What my mother said is so true for me. I mean, 
every year I look so forward to doing this mystery podcast because it does pull me out of my comfort zone. It is a challenge. And the most remarkable thing of all, if there's any inspiration in this tonight, is that I reached out to friends and family, professionals on all kinds of different levels, and asked them to participate. And as much as I was afraid they were going to say no, guess what happened? They all said yes. And because of that, it's something my whole cast looks forward to every year. And it's something I know you listeners look forward to. So when I take on the challenge of being Mr. Divabetic in the Mr. Divabetic Mystery Podcast next month, along with all my friends and colleagues you hear tonight, please let it be something that, if nothing else, we're inspiring you to do something fun and crazy and creative with your life. Because that's what it means to me. I've had It's such an honor to be here again tonight to promote that show. And I just want to thank everyone once again and urge you to subscribe to our Divabetic e-newsletter. Check out our divabetic.org um, website. Visit, visit us on Facebook. Check out my videos. And even listen to seven years of podcasting on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, and at divabetic.org. Remember, every diva has an entourage, and I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's get happy and stay healthy together. We're going to end this podcast with a song that Ethel Merman considers to be her anthem. Everything's coming up roses. I think it's our divabetic anthem for August as well. Good night, everybody. You. Oh, honey.